Hi, I'm Marisa Janaku. And I'm Michelle Wungsumanawi. And welcome to By Association, a show where we talk about the connection between creative entrepreneurs and their collective drive to bring a product or brand with purpose to the consumer. A connection usually starts with a drink, and this is how we'll start our show. Sharing a bottle of wine or champagne and understanding why this bottle is special to our guest. Here we go. Yeah. Episode three. Here at Grandpa Studio in Rotterdam. Perfect. And we're here with uh, Matthijs de Jong. I'm saying it right? That's correct. Right. I know Matthijs uh, through my uh, weekly job, let's say, at uh, Citizen M as marketing director. So Matthijs works at Kessel Kramer. And he is, uh, they are a communication agency, creative communication agency. And we work yep. together with them on various campaigns that we've done uh, over the globe and over the years. Um, so Matthijs, introduce yourself. Yeah, so uh, you're right, Matthijs de Jong. I'm uh, responsible for strategy within Kess Kramer. And I started uh, very long ago, longer than I uh, would like to admit. <laughs> Kess Kramer is uh, next year 25 years old. Started in 96, end of 96. Yeah. And I joined uh, soon after to do all the, the planning, the strategic planning. Oh, great. For all clients. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So the show is very simple. We're going to have a conversation, talk about uh, how you build brands, uh, what you've done uh, over the years. But we're going to start, of course, with uh, the bottle that you brought with you. So please explain to us what you brought with you and then yeah. we'll start drinking. But but I'm going to interrupt you because uh, I always uh, take the occasion, if I can, to uh, express my love for Rotterdam. We are in Rotterdam now. First, we it was planned for Amsterdam. I uh, live in Amsterdam. Right. I love Amsterdam. But I also love Rotterdam. And uh, you know that there's always a bit of tension between uh, Amsterdam <laughs> and Rotterdam. But um, uh, Rotterdam is, is the, the place where my uh, uh, life in the Netherlands started. So uh, I was born in the US. I have oh, uh, really? Dutch parents. What? And my father worked for four years in uh, California. And uh, that's where I was born. And when they moved back, they um, uh, rented a car, drove to New York, and they took the boat to Rotterdam. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and that boat is the SS uh, Rotterdam, the, right. s- the steamship Rotterdam. Oh, wow. And that's in the harbor here still. Yes, so is, yeah. uh, they, they made a hotel uh, out of it with restaurants. Yeah. And uh, so my, my first steps were at uh, what now uh, Hotel New York is. Uh, oh, wow. So I always feel, uh, you know, anxious to go to Rotterdam. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so I'm very happy to be here and also honored uh, to be in your uh, podcast no nice. thank you thank you very much which part of Rotterdam have you lived in like? uh, I haven't lived here yeah I, I, I uh, we, we didn't uh, uh, start here but I have lived here in my student uh, period all right so that was uh, in my 20s early 20s uh, I lived in the Vlagmanstraat that? that's um, a side street of the Bergweg mm. not, not so north. far from here yeah, yeah north yeah, yeah. so north of the Hofplein but I lived here for I think uh, three quarters of a year like the city, it's nice. Yeah, yeah it still is very nice to live here. Yeah. Out here. Okay, so um, what did you bring with you? The wine, yeah, I, I brought with you um, a wine from uh, Portugal. Okay. From uh, uh, South Portugal, uh, from the uh, Alentejo uh, region, which is about 200 kilometers south uh, east of uh, Lisbon. And uh, there is a, um, a winery, winery area uh, and an estate uh, which is called uh, Esprao, or I, I don't. Uh, Esprao, yeah. Uh, I don't pronounce the e, but it's it's spelled E A S P 
P-O-R-A-O, but you say Sprau. <laughs> and um, I, I brought this with me because it's a client of Castle Kramer. Okay. So that's uh, easy. Um, in the tradition of uh, David Ogilvie, you don't know him because uh, yeah, he's the, the, the grandfather of advertising yeah. from the 60s, you know, madman period. Yeah. And uh, he always said that uh, he wanted to, you know, use, try the products that he um, works for. Okay. And the story goes that he worked for uh, Rolls Royce. Mm. So that was an easy one for him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he, he wrote uh, a famous um, ad for Rolls-Royce with the, the, the line, um, at, uh, at 60 miles per hour, the loudest noise in this Rolls-Royce comes from the electric clock. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so uh, um, outdated. Hey? There's, there's no advertising anymore no. that takes that much time and uh, that much space for, uh, mm-hmm. for a heading. And, uh, and also now it's uh, yeah. a weird uh, line because uh, yeah, you have a Tesla. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you hardly hear it. At that time, it was yeah. very <coughs> special, I think, exactly. first to have an electric clock in a car. <laughs> And then uh, that the, the Rolls-Royce was very silent. So yeah, yeah. also I use uh, the, the products that, that we advertise. So I, I stay in Citizenem and I'm wearing my uh, fence uh, shoes <laughs> I also worked for. Um, and uh, ironically, I haven't been there. Okay, I was so about I'm to bit, say. Uh, no, I, I'm a bit pissed off about it because um, my colleagues, uh, many of my colleagues went there and it's, you know, fantastic uh, regent. Mm-hmm. It's a bit hilly. Uh, creeks, uh, enough water, yep. oaks, uh, cork trees. Mm-hmm. So the, why haven't you been there? It's not that far. No, but I, I haven't worked on it myself uh, oh, right. directly. Yeah. So um, how long it, have they been a client of yours? Uh, I think think about two years. Two years. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it, it's quite a special uh, company because that region uh, is is for centuries already well known for its. Um, uh, vineyards and and also olive uh, trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so on the bottle it says uh, Esprau and it says twelve hundred sixty seven. Wow. Yeah. So so Sprau itself as a name started in the seventies, early seventies, but but uh, the vineyards have been uh, centuries old, and. Um, uh, they are all uh, uh, talking about purpose. They are all uh, organic, biological, yeah. and they also support local communities with um, supporting the crafts. So the, the original uh, ancient local crafts mm-hmm. they, they support like weaving, uh, pottery, uh, painting the, the houses with uh, white uh, chalk, right. that kind yeah. of. Uh, stuff. Are they still family owned, or is it uh, more? Uh it's, it's family owned, family owned yeah. but it's it's uh, it's recent that it's uh, Sprau. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what what I did is um, I didn't take the the reserva, so the the you know the, the top wine. I thought uh, you know that would be too easy to take the best wine from them <laughs> and uh, take it here. But but uh, Montevallo, that, that's uh, the name of, uh, mm-hmm. of this wine, and I took a white one because I like white. Uh, is um, more of a, an, an, a wine made for a wider audience. So, so they, they make uh, top wines, but um, uh, in, in the 80s, they, they uh, thought about, okay, we, we make this uh, great wines, but 
uh, it's not very accessible for a larger no. audience. So they decided to uh, make a, let's say, um, w within the process, uh, make one that is more accessible using also grapes from, from uh, the area. So it's a mixed uh, grape wine. And yeah, so it, it, it's a high value wine for an affordable price. And uh, yeah. what, what's the price? <laughs> Uh, it goes for for around uh, six seven euros, All right. ten dollars in yeah. the US. They also yeah. sell it in the US, mm -hmm. and so so this is a very well known uh, regular wine in Portugal. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Okay. And it's also a uh, export uh, product, but but uh, the, the, <coughs> the 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 people uh, the Finlox Finlox the, the people who uh, know know all about yeah, it yeah. they they see it as a as a very good buy uh, right. a, 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 a value proposition as we would call it exactly. like citizen m eh? citizen m is also you, you have a, a yes. luxury experience but uh, by by taking away a few things you you get a, a very good price and uh, so yeah that's a, a value proposition so Montevallo is not uh, the most expensive but it's a very good wine yes for a good price all right and um, the 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 downside for it for, of it is that uh, it got so well known in uh, Portugal that for many people it, it became mainstream. So uh, if, if you see it too much, then uh, it's no more. It's not special anymore. Not, not special gonna... anymore. And, and for the younger uh, audience, they, they see it as the, the parents' wine that the parents <laughs> always drank. And this is a cycle that I see uh, very often happening uh, with many brands. Okay. So. In, in, we have worked in the past for Heineken, for instance, but that, that's 20 years ago. And Heineken was suffering in the Netherlands the same kind of problem. Mm. That Heineken was your father's beer. Not uh, You would not drink it uh, when, when you were in your uh, teens or early no. uh, 20s. Mm. Because it's... Um, not hip enough. Not hip enough, right. not interesting, so too mainstream. Mm -hmm. But in essence, it's good beer. And in essence, this is very good wine. Uh, if, if you take it objectively, but uh, sometimes it can just be yeah, over the hill. Right. Yeah. And, and would you say that's also where the reserva that they make tries to also kind of bring it back to being more special or is it more just the brand itself that was suffering? Uh, no, it's it's this one, this Montevallo. This, this, uh, speci this, this spe specific you one. You buy it in the supermarket yeah. in, uh, <laughs> in Portugal and uh, yeah. people who know it know that it's a uh, good wine, but mm -hmm. uh, it's just... Uh, like Common. you say, it's not, yeah. not no, but it's true. Yeah. But it's true here. When you go shop for a wine, when you want to get a nice wine, you don't go to a supermarket, right? You you go to the wine specialist. You go to the wine store. Is really the mentality exactly. Mm -hmm. And I I think it also uh, happened with, you know, in the in the jeans uh, industry, like like Diesel and and uh, Levi's. Yeah, they are really nice brands. But then then uh, Acne comes from uh, from from Sweden and uh, that's yeah. that's much more interesting because uh, they they do it differently and uh, it's new and so another experience but is exactly. that yeah. but is that also then also price because like the Levi's for example you know the price gets a lot more accessible and yeah. you come with the nudies or you come with you know much more um, uh, uh, specialer jeans that the prices are higher so they're you know people see them as oh it must be something better yeah. Is that something that happens then, or? I think that can be uh, part of it, but um, 
again, objectively, I, I admire Levi's as a company very much. You know, they have this really uh, rich history. But uh, I think especially in, in uh, the US, they are not, uh, the, the, the audience in the US is not willing to pay more than, you know, 30 bucks or, yeah. or 40, 50 bucks for, for a pair of jeans. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what they are uh, catered to. And uh, they, they lost their, their um, sexiness and interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that that could be that that and and then then other brands come in and they uh, make it more special and more uh, expensive as well. Yeah. I see it for Timberland. We also work for Timberland. Yeah. And Timberland has this same <coughs> challenge that you know it's a big brand. They make uh, fantastic shoes, high quality, mm -hmm. very solid, known for their boots, uh, the yellow boots, yeah. and uh, and they have twelve hundred stores, so so they have their own uh, retail, but. Uh, you know, after a while, it's just too, too common, too mainstream. Yeah, and, yeah, and, which, and, and, and what you said before, like the cycle, it it yeah. was back like a, like a year ago, something like two years ago, and now it died out again. Yeah, yeah. but then in a few years it will be hip again. So yeah, uh, exactly. ongoing. Yeah, but for for a younger audience, young younger generation, uh, the Gen Z. Mm -hmm. Now that we, we work for a project uh, that is that is uh, focusing on, on them, and then then you uh, use totally different type of uh, uh, storytelling, messaging, uh, more let's say uh, inviting, uh, more interaction, right? Instead of just you know we, we have uh, our product here, it's in our store, come and get it. Do you also like advise Timberland on a design or what what's in fashion now, so they can like adjust? Uh, Elements? Uh, no, but I interestingly, the, the project we work for. Yeah, if, if please interrupt me, yeah, uh, because we no, no, no. I think yeah. we we could pour the wine first quickly, and then whilst you drink the wine, yeah, let's go. This is the let's story go. of Timberland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I'm because I'm looking at that wine, and I really want to, <laughs> <laughs> and I really want to try it out. <laughs> okay, there you go. You know, sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> You know you're working with a creator here. All right. You know, you Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> no, I saw the wine there and I was thinking, you know, the conversation is very interesting, but I don't want to, after an hour, that, we're, that the wine's still there. You know, let's enjoy it. Perfect. Thank you. But you really want to go back, so you've never been to this area. So is that something that's, is it on your, is it on your um, you, agency you, bucket list to go you, you visit? Know, you know what, that's interesting. I was, I was thinking about it. I have never been in Portugal, I admit. Um, you want to take a sip, okay? Cheers. Oh, yes, yes, oh. Sure. Yeah. Cheers. Wow. Cheers. Cheers. There we go. I'm really bad at describing, but it, I like it. But usually when he goes out, like it's fruity, it's this, is that. But I just like it. Well, I just <laughs> <laughs> it is fruity, so you're right about it's fruity, it. and it's uh, a bit citric. I think it opens up when it gets a bit warmer. It'll open up a bit more, or not? Maybe I brought it. Uh, I cooled it down a bit too <clears throat> much, or no? But I think it's nice. You know, you can kind of let it sit, sip a bit as you go along. That's nice. But, but um, I've been in many places, not in Portugal. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about it that before this uh, conversation, of course, I thought about what uh, will I bring. I said to you first, uh, I bring the Kinder Champagne. <laughs> 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 uh, 
because uh, it was in the morning. Yeah. But now yeah, it's four <laughs> o'clock, so this is uh, this is allowed. Um, so so I looked into the story of uh, Sprau and and uh, and its history, and and then you get uh, excited, mm. and I think that's. Uh, um, different from what, what I uh, said before, like when, when it's mainstream, when everybody knows it, it might get, uh, it lose its uh, interest, uh, mm-hmm. uh, interestingness. Mm-hmm. But um, on the other hand, um, there, there's, there's this uh, social psychologist from the 60s, he is called um, uh, Robert Sayonk, mm-hmm. and he did research, and uh, one of the, uh, the, the results was that. He proved that uh, familiarity breeds liking. If if you know something uh, really well, you start to like it, mm-hmm. and that was actually also the start from uh, for the the repetitive advertising. So yeah. so uh, think uh, detergent advertising. The, the the more often you uh, see an ad, right. mm-hmm. the more you start to uh, like yeah. it. And the tune, if the tune is right and it's singing in your head, exactly. and you start whistling it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> The, the power of repetition, the, the power that, of repetition. that's what he uh, yeah. proved. And he mm-hmm. called it familiarity breeds liking. And and uh, wh- when I uh, look into uh, Sprau and Montevallo and I read about it, and, uh, and w- when I gain knowledge mm-hmm. and know more about it, I want to go there. I want to see it and want to, you know, dive into it. So uh, I, I, I like that for, for, uh, for brands a lot. Also Timberland. It's a bit mainstream. You know, if I go into the store, I, I don't find uh, that often uh, something really for me. But if you look into the history and, and how they built yeah. uh, their brand, you yeah. know, which is hundred years old, and when when they came with the yellow boot in '73, uh, that you know, it's a f- fascinating story. That, Iconic uh, boot. Yeah, that makes you want want to have it. So. Um, so Matthijs, you you introduce yourself, but uh, how do you describe what you do? At uh, Castle Screamer. Yeah, the shortest version is that I advise clients how to spend their money. <laughs> <laughs> Given a certain um, challenge or problem, I always uh, prefer to call it a problem because problem uh, problems ask to be solved. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and and uh, often clients say, "Yeah, but it's so negative. You know, it's called a problem. I, it's it's a challenge. We have this uh, desire to, you know, win market share or uh, introduce a, a new product or, mm-hmm. or uh, uh, g- gain um, interest from a different audience." So so I get confronted um, from from many different clients. Can be uh, a wine or a shoe brand or a hotel or a museum. Or a government, mm-hmm. uh, and they come with uh, different uh, assignments, challenges. And what I do is that I advise them uh, to uh, what, what what to do with it. So the the, the plan as a, as a planner, as a strategist, I'm responsible to define, you know, what audience are we talking to, or what are we going to say uh, through which media. So so the the, the bigger plan to. Yeah. Um, yeah, build a campaign. And this is what you have been doing since the beginning, right? Yes, since the beginning. And were you also a partner from the beginning? You're a partner, right? Yes, I'm a partner, yeah. yeah, yeah. But back to my, my uh, shortest description. Right. In the end, it also comes down to the budget, the, the money you have. So, uh, and, and that's an important uh, part, an often uh, forgotten part, 
because we see we like to see ourselves as a company also as uh, entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, see if feeling uh, a lot of responsibility for the money we spend for our clients and the the the, the budget also tells uh, something about what is uh, realistic and what yeah. is not so you you have a certain amount of money and and uh, you want to introduce a new brand or a new product yeah is is that uh, then uh, realistic or not and that's one of the first things you talk about is really about you know how much like, money do you because have? some brands i would suspect who come to you then say have you know want to do the big things but their budgets are small and you just have to bring a uh, do a bit of reality check it's not the first thing we we ask to be honest mm-hmm. but it it's part of it and more it's more like a measurement of how realistic yeah. a, a request is. But we have very small clients as well, which we still like to do. Uh, in the hospitality, for instance, the Hans Brink Budget Hotel, uh, we have from the beginnings one of the first clients. They don't have much money, but they have uh, um, you know really nice uh, guts and and mm. uh, and and they they dare to um, stand out, take risks, and. Interestingly, the, the Brinker is a budget hotel and it's very um, basic in the center of Amsterdam. And uh, like David Ogilvie, we went there, we stayed there and we realized that it's uh, a horrible place to stay. <laughs> <laughs> it's very noisy. Uh, the, the staff is very rude. Uh, you know, there's big groups of, of uh, Italians, Germans, English uh, that, that don't sleep there. And so when, when we uh, went back to the, to the office, we um, discussed it and we, we, we actually came up with the idea to be honest about the shortcomings. So not to come up with a story to uh, promote it and uh, with lies yeah, mm-hmm. to make it uh, better than it is. But uh, we said, let, let's be uh, uh, honest in a very rude way. Right. <laughs> and, how d- and, and, and how did they react at Hans Brinker? Were they... Was initially saying yes, okay, this we're going to do this, or was it a bit of apprehension? No, he, uh, the owner is is uh, liking this this um, mentality a lot. So his character okay. is also always to fight fight with uh, with the neighbors, with uh, uh, the city council. So he he really has that mentality mm-hmm. as well to be uh, you know uh, uh, rude and yep. uh, yeah. And actually, it did very well for the hotel itself because yeah. it it. It gained this reputation, this worldwide reputation of a hotel that uh, you know is is um, uh, happy to to have such bad service. And yeah. uh, but but the you know the guests know what to expect. That's what it's about. Exactly. So that that was a side effect that the amount of complaints uh, decreased. <laughs> so uh, it was not the goal of the campaign, but um, yeah. So people know what uh, what they get. Yeah. Okay, and before Kessels, where did where where did your life in creative advertising start? I mean, where what did you study, and and what how did you take your path to Kessels, or did you start at Kessels straight out of school? No, no, no. I I started in uh, advertising apart from you know a lot of uh, side jobs, uh, of which the first one was to uh, bring the newspapers, deliver the newspapers. <laughs> uh, but but I studied uh, mass communication. Okay. Publistiek in uh, Nijmegen, the university, but before mm-hmm. I went to the HRO, yeah, communication mm-hmm. study. So I was always um, uh, really fascinated by um, the, the reaction of the audience uh, to, 
media, media content, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, you know the power of media and and how uh, uh, a message uh, gets through, yeah. and and how the how it it, it changes perception of uh, of people. Mm-hmm. Also, what uh, what news uh, does uh, to create the the picture of the world you have it depends a lot on uh, what type of news uh, you consume um, makes your your perception so that's uh, what why i was um, fascinated by so i studied communication and in in uh, during that study i i really uh, liked the um, uh, the process of creativity so h- how to get to an idea to uh, an original idea to an original let's say view on on a certain uh, mm-hmm. subject or uh, or assignment and how do you do it how do you find an original idea <laughs> <laughs> what's the process it's the one million dollar question <laughs> <laughs> there's no no one answer to that so um, you could say it's it's a process of uh, lateral thinking of of um, let's say connecting um, uh, d- different uh, paths of, of thinking together that, that makes makes uh, a new idea uh, happening. So when, when you get an assignment, not to uh, focus on the assignment only, but uh, what, what, what uh, now many academics uh, describe as, um, you know, do something else. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, in, in the subconscious uh, mind, the, the, the assignment, the problem is being processed. And, uh, yeah, you know, you, uh, you get an, uh, an apple drops on your head and then uh, and there's <laughs> and say, Eureka. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so every, every creative process has been different for you or it's, it's not like... I mean, set. of course, there are ways to um, stimulate it. Uh, what we do in in our office you you've been in our office we are in Amsterdam uh, based in a formal nunnery so mm-hmm. it's it's a, a church like uh, building and and we've created a environment which is quite uh, diverse eclectic uh, many different objects art and a mm-hmm. bit like also citizen M in a way is is a, mm-hmm. a good environment to um, you know, get ideas by just uh, looking around, and uh, it's not not st- sterile mm-hmm. as, a, as an uh, as an environment. And um, we, we we tend to not brainstorm too much. Brainstorming is also uh, uh, one of the the tricks or uh, supposed tricks to you know get to ideas. So you 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 connect to other people. What you are doing with your podcast, what I read about, uh, you know, making these uh, connections. Yep. Uh, you're being stimulated by someone else's uh, views and i think it's a combination so you 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 get your inspiration from outside what you're thinking about can also be consuming media reading a paper whatever uh, but it's also uh, hard work so it's also uh, thinking about it yeah trying different things and um, i think you also have to be a more than average um, media consumer eh, to to yeah. uh, look around a lot, visit museums. Yeah. yeah, right. And you're so so you did communication study and you were curious. So what was what, what was your first kind of job within the industry? Where did you start out? Uh, that was actually in Rotterdam. So uh, I, I did my traineeship in Rotterdam at uh, uh, what was the agency called? It's still there. 
Um, nou, forgot. We'll look it up. What's big agency? Uh, in, in, it was at the WTC in the top floor. I remember it was WTC. No, the only the, the biggest instrument. Yeah, yeah. From from back then was Ara. Ara. Yeah. Is it that one? Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> My God, then I forgot. That. <laughs> there you go, Ara. I, yeah. I, uh, That's your internship. I worked there. Yeah, <laughs> did, for, did, uh, didn't oh. leave an impression. <laughs> or it did. It, it did. No, it did. I mean, it was still. Uh, you know, in, in the days of the Roman Empire when advertising was still alive. It's uh, <laughs> dead now. So. <laughs> and we'll, so we'll, we'll go into that if advertising uh, is really dead and your point of view on that. But, uh, of but, course. But let's go into that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, let's go into that. Do yeah. you think advertising is dead? Yeah, I mean, the, the advertising as, as it was is dead, of mm-hmm. course. But uh, there will also, there will always be advertising. So it's, it's more of a... Um, a, a definition. So the traditional way that advertising was founded, right in the Mad Men area, it was kind of the, that's dead. It's now a new way advertising it's, comes it's in a different new way, ways. Yeah, but uh, it's it's in a way it's very simple. You you have a um, a business. Say you are a bicycle repairman, uh, and and your your uh, uh, company is in uh, in the street. You you sell mm-hmm. some bicycles. And uh, you, you don't need to uh, advertise yourself much because you have a nice audience. People yeah. come to you, and uh, one day, uh, you know, a few days, a few doors uh, down the road, yeah. another bicycle <laughs> man comes and he's stealing your clients. What do you do? Yeah. Then you start to come up with ideas to promote yourself, right? Yeah. And to uh, stand out and to have a distinct uh, message. And uh, yeah, yeah. How do you call it now? Um, Advertising, no, maybe not. But uh, advertising, marketing, advertising—it's yeah, it's exactly. All, it's all so, so you, you, goal. you, uh, or maybe uh, you call it—you have to find your purpose, and mm. uh, that purpose must be a bit different. But if if all banks are now into, you know, defining their social purpose, and and it start to look uh, like like uh, alike, mm-hmm. uh, then then uh, one bank will will go. Okay, wait a minute. I'm gonna you know take a different uh, path mm. and. Uh, and then the audience will think, "Hey, that's interesting. That's yeah. new." Yeah. So uh, I think it's 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 um, always about finding this different angle. Yeah, but why is it that? What 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 is the, what's your view on that? Now, advertising, as we know, huh, because of of the um, uh, digital developments, um, I think for for a long time, advertising was not. Um, Aware, aware of of the results, eh? the, so the the, the research uh, was was not that uh, specific as we can do it now with uh, with the data. So yeah. when you when you throw a message out, immediately you get feedback, you get data feedback, and you mm. know, okay, is this um, sticking with my audience or not? And and back in the days, you didn't know it. So there's also this saying, uh, you know, half of your uh, uh, budget is wasted, uh, but you don't know which half. So you you have to uh, to, mm-hmm. to go with it anyway, but but I think that uh, creativity nowadays is is getting more and more under pressure, mm-hmm. because if you are aiming for a large audience for, for a mainstream audience, you will also um, get a uh, mainstream uh, desire for Message. the type of uh, yeah. messaging. Mm. So if you have a very uh, creative uh, idea. Um, you know, it's 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 very likely that it's not 
attracting a very large mainstream audience because they find it maybe a bit uh, do uh, niche. Uh, yeah. And, uh, they're, they're and is that a challenge you're facing now with a lot of agency or a lot of clients that say, I think so, you yeah. know, hey, um, the creative's not performing well, so we need to do, you know, just do the standard what's there and, 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 and therefore just attracting the standard client. I, I think that that the uh, the the detail the detailness of knowledge that we now have through data so the, the direct feedback is um, driving a lot of mar- marketeers to to be risk avoiding and uh, mm-hmm. short term in in their uh, mm-hmm. um, goals in, yeah. in their goals in their strategy so mm-hmm. it it needs um, it it needs courage and and risk taking to yeah. T- take a different uh, path that that is uh, more difficult than before but it will be uh, rewarding uh, in many cases you see that it's uh, rewarding i think that uh, timberland has a very good uh, data driven um, strategy but uh, yeah it's it's big so they they they, they are forced to yeah. search for new ways for new yeah. frontiers and, and is, yeah and is that also where purpose plays a role so when you bring in a purpose of a brand, let's say, instead of just advertising to the masses? That's, that's a good question. So, so what I said earlier, purpose, I think, is, is a very broad uh, term. So mm-hmm. a purpose, uh, you know, you, you can also uh, have as a purpose to, to make uh, um, many people laugh. Uh, about what you do, or you you can have a purpose to uh, look uh, to to make uh, people look very uh, attractive and sexy. Mm. Yeah. But uh, purpose nowadays is is very much uh, seen as as uh, social purpose. Exactly. It's, it's like uh, you know doing good, mm-hmm. and um, which I see as as a very positive uh, development. I think that's very good. It's it's. Um, what what uh, the audience demands, I don't know how big that is, uh, but uh, how big the audience is. Yeah, yeah. How it? many people are, are are really concerned about the the state of the the planet, for instance? And, yeah. uh, so so you see big companies. I we we uh, I was also looking it up. We we work for uh, DSM, which is a, a chemical a royal chemical uh, company mm-hmm. in in the south of the Netherlands. They started as a coal mining. Uh, company and uh, their their purpose is uh, uh, creating brighter lives for all people Uh, don't laugh (laughs) (laughs) no 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 I mean it's just it could work for a lot of brands that's what you know (laughs) a light bulb factory is the same you could use the same purpose so so, uh, now you you, you immediately feel what's, what's happening here and to be honest, uh, I would say, uh, you know, sorry for what we did in the past, but now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we, we will create brighter lives. So, so, um, but they actually uh, follow follow that purpose uh, in, in a good way. So, mm-hmm. so they, they are coming with more and more um, initiatives to, let's say, better uh, the way we produce stuff. Okay. And um, but it, it's originally it's a petrochemical company that probably uh, you know wasn't uh, too friendly for the environment. Uh, but but nowadays they are bettering themselves, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I see that as a very good uh, development. However, 
and, and you had to laugh. I think that it also uh, leads to a lot of cliche uh, purpose uh, descriptions, yes. uh, definitions. So, so companies are, are actually... You know, forced, kind of forced to well, find a purpose. Yeah. yeah, they're forced, they have to, because they, they, they exactly. all do that. And, and uh, the, the, the audience, but also the government is... is uh, you know wanting no, them to yeah. but a lot of companies now if you're if you want investment you need to have your csr program set up properly if you want to yeah. you know you have uh, to have women in the board exactly and, uh, you yeah, have these, all those different diversity things. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. exactly exactly so going back to your internship so you started your internship here or you started within within advertising communication yeah. here in rotterdam with the yeah. internship um and after that where did then you go? i went to uh, ddb also for an internship yeah. and then i uh, went back to university okay or i went to and, university and why um yeah i wanted to get more knowledge get more knowledge <laughs> exactly <laughs> Stim- stimulate my brain that's that's a common purpose <laughs> as well <laughs> trying to understand a bit more of uh, how this uh, world works mm-hmm. and I still don't understand it but um, that, that's what I did and and just before I uh, started started writing my thesis the DDB I worked for DDB DDB Needham that, that, that's also an American uh, yep. uh, ad company yep. still there actually in uh, in Amsterdam and and they asked me uh, back so after my um, internship and I, I studied again and then they asked me offer me a job and, th- and that's how I rolled into advertising so the reason why I went into advertising was my my um, fascination for creativity mm-hmm. still however I'm a planner I'm a, a strategy person I'm not the one that comes up with the campaigns I'm not the art director or the copywriter but I also see strategy as a function that needs originality yeah. uh, it needs or, or original thinking like uh, coming up with original solutions to problems yeah which I try uh, still try to do well I guess it's the it's the basis at, a, at, at everything you create is the strategy if the strategy is right then the execution to follow will be much more uh, will have much more of an impact right yeah yeah and uh, but that always uh, is is a, a group process. So I work together with uh, creatives, and sometimes you know creatives have very good strategic ideas, mm-hmm. and sometimes yeah, not not that many times I have <laughs> <laughs> creative creative ideas. But uh, yeah. and the clients do they have creative do they have great creative? Do you know any clients that have good are, ideas? It's not often, but there are some clients that <laughs> keep astonishing me. <laughs> We won't. We won't name names, though. <laughs> so you're at DDB, and um, so they asked you back to come back to DDB, and and and, and yeah, how many and, years were you there for? And, th- and that's why I started as a, also as an account executive. So uh, I did account work, and mm-hmm. the account the account person is the uh, intermediary between the client and and uh, the creators, basically. To, so uh, <laughs> to keep them separate. <laughs> so to to keep them out of uh, fights, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So. Clients are, uh, you know, rude, rude bastards, motherfuckers, <laughs> for the creators, yeah. and um, the creators for clients are, uh, you know, unrealistic, uh, crazy guys that always <laughs> want, uh, you know, too big of a campaign. And, uh, and then, as a middleman, you need to, uh, you know, find the middle ground. Yeah. Um, and also uh, look at the planning and the money, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the money is always uh, important. Yeah. 
And so I did that for, and, and then then I saw the planner there, uh, who was actually uh, Kloon. You know Kloon, the writer, he's a Dutch yeah. writer. No, yeah. Kloon, yeah, yeah, the writer. Yeah. yeah. So he, he became a writer, but he, he was at that time the strategic planner, and I, I liked okay. what he uh, was doing, and uh, yeah, that's, that's what, what, uh, was what I was heading for. Okay. And then I worked at a small agency, and, um, and I knew Eric Kessels. Uh, from from uh, study actually, and um, he started his his own agency with uh, Johan Kramer in '96, mm-hmm. creative agency without account people. That was one of the starting ideas. So to uh, their desire to work directly for clients, they uh-huh. said uh, people who have the problem should work directly with the people who come up with the solutions, okay. and and no uh, middle people. Okay, leads to fights, but uh, it's also good. And that's how they uh, started Castle Kramer, and they asked me um, shortly after the start to join for uh, strategy. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So that was uh, so, and, and that was a no-brainer for you to go to Kessels. It was, yeah. It, it would give you that. It would give you what you were looking for. Yeah. Yeah, and and they they were um, uh, fast-growing, upcoming. They had this uh, Brinker Hotel client. They worked mm-hmm. for Nike uh, at that time mm-hmm. already, and uh, Heineken, like small jobs from uh, big clients. Yeah. And when I joined, um, yeah, I could work on these clients, and uh, we we won a pitch for uh, Het Parool, which is a very nice uh, newspaper. Matthijs van Nieuwkerk was the yeah. chief editor, so uh, we, we started doing that, and then we uh, won the. Um, uh, a mobile phone uh, mm-hmm. brand, uh, which we called brand, uh, Ben. Ben, yeah. And so we also did the brand development, and that that is something I uh, really liked. So you did. So so you guys were responsible for the for the name for for, for yeah. the main campaign for Ben. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it'd be nice to understand kind of the whole the whole campaign or the process and what you did because I because I remember it being young. Here, I mean, I think my first uh, my first uh, telecom provider was Ben, and it really appealed to me as a young person. Yeah. So I think, yeah. you know, it was it was quite a nice. Uh, yeah. So this is the early days of the rising of, of mobile phone use, mm-hmm. and uh, so th- this is um, uh, end of the nineties. Yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine. I would say ninety nine exactly. Yeah. And uh, in in the Netherlands, there were four four big players like uh, KPN, so the original one, and there was Libertel, and there was Telford, and you know, the Dutch Tone. I Dutch remember, Tone, also exactly. Came. And there were exactly. big big companies behind it. And then then there was one weird one, which was uh, um, a, uh, a a a between the Belgium. Uh, mobile phone, phone company, mm-hmm. uh, Belgacom, and Tele Denmark from Denmark. So, so yeah. uh, they, they had a company together and, and they um, got an, a network from, uh, let's say, r- regional uh, reach. So it was a bit of a, you know, n- n- not the best uh, quality. They had to really build, build it up, but they didn't have a name. They, they called themselves Brukop, which uh, was a working name for Brussels, Copenhagen, yeah, Belgium, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Danish. And they not very creative. Not very creative, <laughs> but, uh, but that's good. <laughs> so they had a problem, right? <laughs> and uh, and they 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 came to us. Uh, actually, they already had a name, which was called Belmai, 
En ja. Belmai means call me. En ja. uh, it's also the abbreviation for Bel Maatschappij, hè? de, de Bel Company. En yeah. that's actually where the promise are. So we worked, we made a whole campaign for Belmai. And then they uh, checked Belmai whether it was uh, ah. uh, legally uh, possible. <laughs> and they, they wrote a letter to the Bel Company. And Bell Company said, no, I, uh, we don't like this. And uh, so they, w- they were uh, without a name. And oh, then they, they had to call ah, the okay. new name. And they asked us. And we looked at the market and we saw four big players already uh, competing for the audience. And the um, and this is just general audience or a specific audience? No, this is general. I mean, this is like really the start of the, the boom. Huh? Yes. So this is like, you know, uh, th- th- there was big growth, big budgets. So these companies were also um, dominating the media with, with their uh, branding mm-hmm. uh, messaging. And, and they were fighting uh, for, you know, who was the biggest. Yeah, so the whole share. idea yeah. was, yeah, market share, but also the idea was, you know, we are, I am big, we are big, mm-hmm. therefore you can trust us, so come to us. Yeah. And we saw this whole battle happening. And then we had to come up with the, the fifth uh, mobile phone provider um, and therefore we, we had this idea to to make it more of a humble uh, initiative so so a, a humble uh, introduction and and that's how we came up with uh, the name Ben mm-hmm. which means I am yeah and uh, a very human simple transparent approach so while these big ones were uh, you know fighting this war, Ben came as this, you know, very fresh, humble, new, humble yeah. first introducing uh, uh, himself. Yeah, and it stood uh, out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I am Ben, and not saying, uh, you know, come to me. Uh, this is uh, this is my price plan. And, yeah. uh, but it was also in the visuals are very human, very yeah. you could you identified you saw yourself in those visuals as well versus you know the polished advertising exactly and that, that that was very new at that time not anymore but uh, at that time uh, we, we said we, we, we don't use models we just walk uh, outside our office and, mm-hmm. and uh, what we see in the street that that is uh, the people we use in the campaign so we, we did this um, outdoor campaign and it was immediately mm-hmm. 25 different uh, pictures of people from all walks of life and um, so that w- that was actually saying, you know, we're gonna democratize uh, mobile phone. Mm-hmm. It's 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 uh, we we make it accessible for everybody, and and that uh, worked really well. So they uh, they actually grew to uh, number three mm-hmm. in the market and uh, were then bought by uh, Deutsche Telekom. But they're back. And then they came back. Yeah. So, so uh, what Deutsche Telekom did is uh, they didn't have presence in the Dutch market, and it was important market for them. Mm-hmm. So they uh, um, looked uh, what's, uh, what was happening there, and they they bought for a lot of money, uh, Ben, and they they uh, yeah. they made it T-Mobile. Exactly. And and then after uh, five or six years, they they reintroduced Ben because it had it, it still had a lot of uh, brand strength. Uh, and they made it into a SIM only, like like a, a smaller yeah. mm-hmm. part of their portfolio. And and then then actually we we also uh, did that reintroduction of Ben, and Ben became in in two years uh, market leader in, well, in the SIM only yeah. because it is seen. I think because I guess Ben being introduced in Holland as a Dutch brand, it has a lot more people feel connected to it than you know the T-Mobiles coming out of Germany, the Vodafones, you know the bigger brands coming Maybe, in. So yeah, that yeah. could be possibly the yeah. reason why people remember it and say, hey, actually, yeah, 
let me trust you know the Dutch brand even though it's you know owned by T-Mobile yeah. you still have that uh, local affinity if you put it that way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. are there other uh, projects campaigns you worked on that you're really proud of because what I've heard what I've seen what I know all big campaigns and all very good ones uh, is there one that stands out for you I wouldn't say one it, it it's in phases and, and that's why I'm not not ashamed to still be in Kessel Scramer as I said in the beginning you know, more than 20 years but it, it goes in uh, phases so I, I like that parole campaign we did in the beginning I'm proud of um, what we did for Nike and Ben then was it was a big chunk and then we worked for diesel jeans for uh, seven years on a row we did all the international advertising mm-hmm. So it, it goes in in, uh, in 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 waves, and and I think Citizen M is also a very pivotal uh, uh, client of us because we were um, lucky to be involved from the beginning and able to come up with the uh, the, the basics, the name, and, and helping with the positioning, and, and and still work for them. So we are very proud of that and happy uh, that that there are still clients out there that have. Um, the, the guts to be loyal huh? because uh, man, many companies are always looking for the new and uh, maybe there's a new uh, agency somewhere and mm-hmm. then try it out and so it's uh, loyalty is, um, is is getting uh, more scarce these days yeah. um, and and uh, earlier we, we uh, were talking about Timberland we, we are in this uh, project which I find fascinating uh, aim, aiming for the Gen Z Mm-hmm. And uh, Gen Z is is uh, seen, and I, I I don't know if it's if, if it's all uh, 100% true. Huh? There's a lot of research about it, but the the Gen Z is seen as as the um, the creative generation. That they, they have um, maybe a very bleak uh, future lying ahead of them, but they don't perceive it like that. So mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a lot of crisis uh, going on, mm-hmm. climate change. Uh, financial crises and uh, and now, now we have this uh, crisis as well but this generation is is quite uh, savvy um, pragmatic uh, creative also very um, creative because of um, the ability to use the tools right? yes. so, so we have more and more, more tools, tools. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah they're they're, they're very well, my uh, my my boys i have two boys 15 and 16 that yeah, they're quicker than me, of course, on their uh, on the phone, and they they can they can make yeah, mm-hmm. all kinds of of uh, idea expressions very yeah. quickly, right. and um, and 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 that's what what uh, was also the the insight for this project for Timberland. So Timberland being this uh, solid qualitative father, eh? mm-hmm. uh, but not so interesting for this younger generation. And they wanted to connect to this uh, uh, Gen Z audience, which is more sneaker focused, of course. Yes. And uh, so, so Nike is is by far the biggest, and they are huge. And then there's uh, Adidas mm-hmm. close by, and then there's a, for a very long time nothing. And then there's maybe Puma or yeah, yeah. so the sneaker audience, or the the sneaker market is is huge, and the the brown shoe uh, brands are suffering. So. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Clarks, uh, Echo, Timberland, and so so Timberland uh, wanted to connect to this Gen Z audience, but th- that is a total different ball game. So you you cannot uh, yeah, come up with uh, very weird shoes and then see if it works. But mm. th- what they did is um, they they changed their whole 
way of working, their whole process. So in the past, and that you asked that earlier, in the past they would, um, you know, look at the trends, yeah? uh, look at the fashion trends, and then their their designers would draw um, new shoes, mm-hmm. design new shoes, and they realized that that is. Um, a too closed way of uh, working so they opened up their doors and uh, they, they decided yeah. to do it more in a collaborative uh, way more open source as they say and 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 not the let's say typical collab with um, uh, Pharrell Williams or uh, that's that's the easy way mm-hmm. of course or, or, or a star designer but what they did is they um, uh, selected let's say upcoming shoe designers about 30, we, we, we do uh, uh, different um, uh, drops, different uh, mm-hmm. projects. And uh, we, we flew these designers to the factory. They have a big factory in the Dominican Republic. And then we, we um, uh, made the, the designers work directly with the people uh, who actually make yeah. shoes yeah. on the machines, who do the stitching and, uh, and everything. And, and then something really nice happens because it's then all, all open, uh, yeah. opened up and, and you um, also uh, film it and, and uh, you know, we, we put it on uh, uh, Instagram right away so everybody can see the whole process of, let's say, shaping the future looks of um, Timberland. So, so yeah. uh, we take the yellow boot, which is an iconic shoe, but uh, you know, we ask rework the, it. Yeah, re- rework it and we ask the designers, what would you do uh, with this, uh, uh, this icon and, and develop it for, for the future. And, and I, th- I, I find that fascinating that it's, it's a total different way of working where you yeah, ha- have your audience uh, involved right. and you use uh, yeah. Instagram also for uh, voting. What mm-hmm. do you like? Do you like this or that? And, Interesting. Then, and, and you get data and uh, you use that to yeah, keep shaping the, the future of such a brand. Okay, cool. So you talked about Timberland and about, you know, cr- co-creating with the audience, right? Do you believe that that's where it's going to go with these drops? You know, this, the Supreme model, right? It, yeah, you know, at yeah. the moment, Supreme is going towards a bit of a, you know, everything and everyone and whatnot and everybody wants to buy it. Do you, how do you think that that's going to change that whole exclusiveness? Because I would suspect Nike, in a sense, has also gone down that path by special drops, right? But that's becoming mass now, actually, yeah. than, 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 than focused. I mean, do you think that that's going to the co-creation is the direction people need to take? It it really works for for Timberland, so um, yeah, I, I, I could imagine. But the um, challenge would be that yeah, not everybody is a good shoe designer, mm-hmm. so you need to uh, also find the right people, of course, to step into your design process. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the, the opening up of a design process is very interesting and, and also leads to a lot of content. And mm-hmm. that's what what, uh, what brands want. And and the involvement leads to engagement, which leads to data, which you can use exactly. to uh, uh, define the, the, the further path. Okay. Yeah. And with data, so you're talking about leads to data. So what do you think that balance is? Because like you said previously, you know, all these clients are going towards, you know, data first, data first, data leads the creative process. Um, what would you say how that how that balances between creativity versus gut feeling? Data is super important, cannot be um, put aside. So um, it's it's a no brainer. It's very obvious. However, 
uh, I see data also as a voting system from the uh, large non-creative audience. Mm-hmm. So it can also lead to um, a, a mainstream answer to that audience. So you, you feed the audience what it uh, asks for. And, and that leads to, um, let's say, get, get, it gets the creativity is being put under pressure. Right. And I think it's, it's also a um, task of, of uh, companies, of, of uh, courageous uh, brands to, um, to, to show the, the, uh, the, the new ways to go. Yeah. Possibly the... Uh, let's say the industry that listens to uh, data um, the most is uh, politics, and see what happens. You know, it's it's uh, you you get the the voice of uh, of the audience and and politicians, smart politicians who want to grow, they they will uh, voice what uh, the audience wants to hear. Yeah, and uh, and that's not always uh, the best way forward. So it it also needs. Uh, because courage. So then it, it, it's a mix between what the audience wants to know, but you make sure you put the layers on top of that. That is a lot more about emotion and and, and a subconscious kind of level, or not? Or I'm, I'm exactly. So so uh, what you do is you you uh, use data, of course, as as a very important input uh, and and feedback of what you do, and and uh, mm-hmm. use that to. Um, make make uh, a, a new um, new messaging yeah, yeah. exactly um, one of my final questions that we'll see uh, um, is you know we're in this new crisis you know we're in the COVID-19 crisis right now you could say um, a lot of companies are pulling back on their marketing budget and so forth um, <clears throat> people are talking about the new normal let's say yeah what is your expectation or your thinking of where you know, uh, advertising, branding, marketing is going to go in the future, or is you know, it too early to tell? No, it. For, most of all, I was hoping that we are going to going to avoid this uh, <laughs> 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 this subject, this depressing subject. But you well, know, I'm looking at the positive side no, to no, say, no, you know, yeah, but, to, but, to, to support those who are, you know, people are listening who are also just wondering, like, what am I supposed to do now that you know the no, world no, has no, changed? I, 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 what I hope is that. I don't see um, a, a lot of, uh, let's say, solutions coming from, from uh, uh, politics. I, mm-hmm. I hope that, that um, companies are, are going to help shaping this, this okay. new normal uh, yeah. for, for, the, for the positive. And mm-hmm. it can go two ways. I was thinking it either is, uh, you know, the, the best uh, break we can have. Okay, we, we, uh, we will go down, we go into this crisis, but maybe it um, opens us up uh, or opens our eyes to, you know, what we have been doing and the vulnerability yeah. of, uh, of us as humankind mm-hmm. and, and uh, our planet. Because um, it is said that uh, the, 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 the decrease, decrease of uh, biodiversity is, is um, a cause of what is happening, huh? the way we treat uh, animals and, and the diminishing of, of uh, yeah, the nat- yeah. natural environment. Mm-hmm. So that it opens up our eyes and makes us more conscious about uh, what we're doing. But on the other hand, it can also make us more um, uh, egocentric and, uh, you know, um, 
gives us fear and and uh, and, and um, closes us and, mm-hmm. and uh, makes us more competitive uh, towards each other. So I, I, I wouldn't know what. Uh, no, it's true. Direct, tell. But but I think that uh, I hope that a lot of companies see this as an opportunity to um, uh, push more on uh, on purpose. Yes. Yeah? And and um, um, yeah. So th- so that that there is uh, growth to uh, to find. Okay. And, and, you know, you're in Kessel's Kramer right now, and, and it's been 25, 20, 25 years, 24? Next year, 25 years, 25 Kessel years, Kramer, exactly. yeah, I'm, I'm a bit, bit later. Exactly. So is that, you see yourself still adding value there, or do you, or is there something on your bucket list that you still want to achieve and do within advertising, um, or is there something you want to give back? Is, you know, I, I I almost think daily about uh, is it not too comfortable for me? Because uh, you know, I work in this great office in a church. I live uh, five minutes cycling from my work and uh, in a good house, and um, so it's it's quite comfortable. But in Castle Kramer, there's always uh, new challenges mm-hmm. uh, happening, and um, it it provides me to um, to travel a lot and 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 the ability to study uh, new things each time so for citizen m you you get into the hospitality industry how does that work what is important how do you um, um, create new territories carve out your own story yeah and then a different one and that's actually i want to also mention in in the in in the purpose uh, territory is uh, fairphone we work for fairphone so I had to study the um, building, fair. building, building, building of a phone, a mobile phone. So, mm. so Fairphone is a Fairphone, Fairphone is yeah. is a um, mobile phone uh, company, but it builds uh, mobile phones, so handsets. Exactly. And and they do that with, um, you know, the the the, the minimal um, uh, damage as they can uh, uh, can mm-hmm. do. So mm-hmm. so uh, they they look at. Um, uh, the, the the labor how it's made but also with what materials it's made and because uh, there's it's it's a very dirty business the the production of um, of handsets of smartphones so, so it's the fair trade within yes. handsets that now you see in chocolate and coffee actually with a physical good like a yes. telephone and and not only that but it's also a repairable phone because uh, mm-hmm. I I have a, I I am in the golden cage of Apple. I have an uh, Apple uh, mobile phone, but uh, when it breaks, and it did this morning actually, oh, wow. I got, okay. a, got a crack in my uh, <laughs> in my iPhone, and I cannot repair this. Yeah, so I need to go uh, to Apple, and they, uh, they're gonna charge me uh, 311 euros, I just looked up. If I would have an Air <coughs> Fair phone, I can just order a screen and then I put the screen on, or I have a, yeah. a different camera. I can put a different camera on. So, right. so the repairability is also an important way forward to <coughs> to be more environmental friendly. Yeah. So you talk about purpose with those brands, but um, you know maybe it's a question you don't really have an answer to. But you know, what do you feel your purpose is, or, or what's the purpose you want to achieve? Yeah, I want to create a brighter world for all, of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's perfect. No, I, that, that, that's where I'd love to end, because unless you <laughs> you have a bit more... No, I think uh, the, 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 the goal is to, you know, better yourself mm-hmm. uh, every day with, um, with mini steps. And, uh, and, and for now, uh, 
I, I have two uh, boys that are 15 and 16 and that, that's um, a lot of work for me to um, show them a perspective that is healthy for them yeah. and, uh, and inspiring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. Well, Matthijs, um, unless you have something else to say or another question. No, yeah, thank you very much. Matthijs, no, thank you very much for uh, joining us and uh, being our third guest. Uh, looking forward to much more years of working together with you. Um, no, perfect. Thank you very much and um, see you soon. Great honor. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks. <laughs>